Okay. Uh, this message was born out of a conversation that I had earlier in the week. And uh, when I was preparing for tonight, this phrase just kept coming to my head, even before the scripture did. The phrase that I heard, which I have used to title the, the message tonight, is be careful who feeds you. After our, Jan and I's little round of uh, problem last Friday, uh, it takes on new meaning because I know, I know what we had wasn't the flu and it wasn't a virus. It was, it was food. So it was like, you know, be careful who feeds you. Literally, when Rhea and Amanda were here the first time and uh, it was on a Saturday morning at a women's conference we were having here, that was the first time I'd met them. And Kendall and I were standing in the back. We'd come to set up the sound and to see if everything was okay, if they needed anything. Rhea was standing right here and, and just picked up her guitar and started, and started playing and singing. And I was standing in the back and she was singing, don't look at their faces, child, just look at mine. It took me a few seconds, probably actually a little longer than that. And I realized that she was singing that song over me. She hadn't said anything. She hadn't introduced it that way. But the Holy Spirit, as she began to, it began to hit me that, that was, she was singing that very specifically over me. Don't look at their faces, child. Look at mine. That song was very powerful and it was very clarifying for me. The message of the song, again, was, was just simple. Don't look at their faces because what happens when you look at people's faces is you begin to preach to them or you begin to preach at them and you start trying to make application into somebody's life and it gets real dangerous when pastors do that. I do have a lot of people come and say, I could tell you were preaching right to me. And it's like, well, that was, that's God doing. I did not. I don't prepare a message thinking of somebody, having somebody in my mind, even though sometimes it may seem that way. But there was much truth for me in that song. And I've realized since that a great caution is expressed and a great warning given to avoid a catastrophe that befalls many pastors and teachers. Let's look at Proverbs 23. That's where we're going to go first. Kind of an obscure little passage. Proverbs 23, and I'll begin reading with verse 1. When you sit to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before you, and put a knife to your throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. There it is. Three verses. And I know that this is a passage that you could certainly use to teach about overeating or gluttony. You could certainly speak to that very directly. But I want us to notice something else about this. I want us to notice a warning and a caution in this that is really gripping the church today. That if we, and if we don't get it, if we don't understand it, then we're, we too will, will slip into this. It may not be quite as catastrophic for others when pastors do it. It truly is. He says, when you sit to eat with a ruler, and, and we know this, we're told that we are in greatest temptation when we're sitting at the table of someone who can overindulge us. We're probably not going to overeat and there would be no warning to sit down at someone's meager table where there was barely enough. We're more likely to overindulge at a table where someone has prepared and is prepared way too much. It's, it's a normal temptation. It's there. And when we see what's there, 
it may be something that we haven't had before. And we're very tempted to, to eat more because of where we are and because of who is sitting before us. We can sit down at many tables where the host is able to provide above what we can eat. And this is especially true at tables. And I want us to get it away from the literal table and, and literal food. Because there are many, many, many things that feed us today. And many of them extremely damaging. And this is really what I'm trying to talk about tonight. The, the situation, the guy may hear this and it's perfectly okay. I don't think he'd mind. But he had been able over the last few weeks to start a Facebook page and immediately just began to share some things about his life, share scriptures with others. And so immediately he had friends from his old high school days. He had friends from past ministry. He had friends. And so, you know, suddenly there was 200 friends in about a week's time. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with what he described. But, but the Lord in that conversation allowed me to speak to him a warning. And I told him, never, ever be fed from that Facebook page. Don't ever let them feed you. What will happen if you begin to let those people establish your value? What will happen if they begin to validate you and give you approval? What will happen if they begin to give to you or support you? What could happen if you start being fed from that Facebook page, from that following? What will happen? You'll stop pursuing the one who's supposed to be feeding you and will start saying things that will please the one who's feeding me. When you start something like that, you're sitting at a table with people who can just overindulge you. They can just give and they can give and they can give. And with every word of appreciation, and I shared with him, that's the very reason why there is not a single way for you to give me or this church electronic feedback. Outside of a text message, which, you know, that's perfectly fine for the people who have my number. And I don't try to keep it from anyone. We don't have a Facebook page. We don't receive email because I don't want to deal with your feedback unless you want to come to my office and talk to me about something. I'm perfectly ready, perfectly willing to have a conversation with anybody anytime about something I teach or say or share. Be glad to do it. But when, when it starts coming back electronically, the great danger is I'll be affected by something that somebody says, whether it be criticism more danger is approval, agreement, because it will begin to affect what I'm willing to say, the truth I'm willing to tell. And I told him like I would tell anyone, be careful who feeds you. It's dangerous sitting here at this table with a king, with a leader, with a ruler sitting at that table. It would be so tempting to when, when they slide the liver in front of you that you don't like. What are you more likely to say? What would most say? Oh, it's my favorite. Oh, yes, you would. If you're sitting in front of a king, I guarantee you would, because what happens in our mind is we desperately want to live in agreement with the one who's feeding us. You know, Garrison Keillor, great American storyteller, talks about being from the Midwest and going to New York and they see you coming. When you order, they'll go to the refrigerator and they get out the roadkill and bring it out because they know that when they put it on the table, you're not going to say anything about it. You know, I normally like my meat, not quite so rancid, but it's all good. I'm sure it's great because they know that if you're from the Midwest, you're too nice to say anything about what they put in front of you. Well, be very careful 
Let's go a little further. The warning is to consider diligently what is before you. The writer is making us fully aware that the table and its settings may be a snare. I would tell you that this is true. Do not feed off of what I teach you. Don't do it. Do not eat at the table that I set. Great danger in doing it. There will come a day when I leave. Don't know when that will be, how that will be, but we know that day will come. If you have been sitting and feeding off the table that I've been setting, then you'll be disappointed to see me go because that's where you've been being fed. Where are you supposed to be fed? Who's supposed to be feeding you? The Holy Spirit, because he won't leave. He will not leave and you won't have to wonder where the next meal is coming from. Who's going to feed me next? Because you know the one that's been feeding you will continue to feed you. Be very careful because it seems so right, but it can absolutely be a snare. As I said a while ago, there's great pressure to comply when sitting at the ruler's table. Concessions may be sought and convictions may be lost. And it says we must double our guard. We may find that it's better not to sit at that table at all. Think about it for just a second. We'll stop in this, in, in this message. What do you know are some places where it's dangerous to be fed? Yeah, it's dangerous to be fed by television. Other places. Yeah, internet. Yeah. Any place that can give you validation. Any place that can, can tell you that you're right or tell you that you're wrong. Any place that can do that is a place where you shouldn't be fed. I heard a couple of others. Yeah, social media, same place. It is strange, but I know people who can't stop being fed by social media. They're being fed each day so much that the thought of laying that down means a hunger for something because it has been feeding me. Be careful who let feed you. And it says, put a knife to your throat. Restrain yourself as if the snare was set and at any moment it might be released. He's saying, especially if you're compelled. He says, especially if you're a man of of great appetite and you already know this about yourself, then take whatever means it is. It's just the, the picture here of the knife is what it would seem to be. How much can you eat if you can't swallow it? I mean, that, that's serious. If you are a man of appetite. So we must take great care to not let our hearts at any time feed from the excess and believe that our value, our strength, our sustenance is actually coming from the table. Wherever you happen to be sitting, it can't come from your work. You can't be fed by your work. You can't be fed by your career. It's very tempting to get validation, to get rewarded, to get acknowledged because that's what happens in the workplace. But if you start being fed by your workplace, then you will start making compromises to support that workplace that otherwise that you would not have done. This one just sounds weird, but be not desirous of his dainties. Should have found another word. For they are deceitful meat. When we are in danger of falling into that excess and being fed where we shouldn't be, we must not only stand upon our guard, but also fight the intent that is happening within. The dainties are tasty. They're savory food. This is what it says in Hebrew. They are delectable food that may taste great, but are not substance and will cause us to seek them out again. I have trouble with sweets. I have real trouble with chocolate. 
that reality causes me to seek them out again. How good are they for me? They're not. As a matter of fact, in excess, they will cause problems. He says, being careful of those things that are so tempting. When you get a word of praise or a word of acknowledgement somewhere, it's very, very tempting to go back there again, to go back there again, and to go back there again. And so it's not only tempting, it's extremely damaging. There's real warning to more than just don't be fed there, don't get in that trap. It's that some of these things, this deceitful meat, will actually cause you to begin to change and to seek things out. I mean, we understand things about addictions. We understand how, how addictions can begin to feed you and how you'll begin to alter your life to make sure that, that there are moments so that there's opportunity for those addictions to be fed. Be not desirous of dainties, they're deceitful meat. <clears throat> they're deceitful meat filled with untruth and temptation, and they're more likely to taste great with serious delayed consequences. That means that, how can I say this gently. You, you may have intestinal response. That, that was pretty creative right there. Intestinal response. Yes. Or maybe intestinal reaction. Protest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Intestinal protest. How do people begin to think too much of themselves? They're being fed by something that doesn't have a perspective of truth in it. And it begins to be so addictive that they go back to it time and time again. They do not yield the satisfaction that was promised. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, each one of your stories, my suspicion is that if we would just process this for a moment, we would recognize that we're being fed at a table where we probably shouldn't be fed. You know, one of the more strange ones that I deal with is that I, I watch people being improperly fed at a table of misery. They're feeding off of misery. It's strange to watch, but that misery is feeding them something. I've watched recently a man who was divorced and he would go home each day and the curtains stayed down. I could always tell that the TV was on, but he shut himself off. And I finally, I told him, I said, what are you doing? I just confronted him. What are you doing? And when I told him, I said, you're feeding off the misery. It has become your companion. You're going home and meeting up with misery and it's treating you as a familiar friend. Not a kind one, but a familiar one. He's feeding off of misery. And it took a little bit of time for him to break it. I mean, it was a very satisfying, strange, but satisfying place to eat. We can feed on loneliness. You know, I love seeing Joanne, not only for herself, but ministering to others, you know, to, to go sing in the Sunshine Choir, to travel by herself sometimes if need be. What's she refusing to do? Which would have been very easy after all these years and married to Robert. It would have been very easy to just sit down and feed off the loneliness. But she's refused. She has refused to do it. And so grateful because you've helped so many just to not let themselves go there. First Peter chapter two, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Where are we supposed to eat? Even as talks about for us as baby Christians, what is supposed to be the source of what sustains us? The word of God. We're supposed to be eating at his table. 
He's supposed to be the one who validates us. He's the one who's supposed to sustain us. He's the one who's supposed to give us in those moments what we need. If you start trying to feed off of relationships, if you're feeding off of a new relationship or an old friendship and you're feeding off of that, it seems so healthy to do it. That kind of support and that kind of encouragement. But even as a friend begins to speak to you, if you think that that support and encouragement is coming from that friend, then you will be desperate if that friend ever turns and walks away. I was reading again the story of Ruth last night and they were in this moment when the husband has died. Malon and Kilion have died. The husbands of Ruth and Orpah have died. And now these three women are trying to decide what to do. And Naomi knows she needs to go home. And it, it's hanging in the balance for these two girls. What do we do? And Orpah decides to walk away. I wonder what that moment was like. Because Ruth says, where you go, I'll go. And she stays with Naomi. When people begin to walk away from us, as I said this morning, they don't see the value of what God has placed in us and we have to let them go. Because the minute that we start trying to get them to come back, then the conditions and the concessions that we will make because we've been letting that friendship feed us, we'll go search them out and we will begin to make concessions and they will have the power to begin to define who we are. It happens and it happens. When a friend speaks, make sure you recognize that the words that are coming that are actually feeding you have been fed to them by the Holy Spirit. We don't have to ignore our friends. We don't have to ignore the fact that we're given words of encouragement. We have to recognize though when, they, when they're spoken by the Holy Spirit, they will resonate as truth and feed us and not build our ego or our arrogance. John chapter six, if you'd like to flip back there with me and we'll end here with this passage. <clears throat> Beginning with verse 50. This is about as clear as it can be made where we're supposed to be fed. John 6, verse 50. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Jesus is telling them the place to be fed, the place who can feed you perfectly without excess, maybe with extravagance, maybe with more than practical, but the only person who can actually feed you and truly sustain you is God himself. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the only one who can feed you. I hope you know this about me. When pastors let churches feed them, the pastor will find himself in a place where I don't want to upset the people who are feeding me. Literally by the check that, that they make, but more especially by the acknowledgement of the fact that the church is growing, the seats are full. I'm being validated by the fact that the work I'm doing is adding to the church. But it's amazing the concessions that are made when a pastor begins to recognize or believe that the church is feeding him. If the Holy Spirit doesn't feed me, y'all don't want me. I can assure you, you don't want me. For me to have to come up to, with something to say week by week that has no Holy Spirit in it, has no truth in it, has no relevance in it, I guarantee you there would be no point in sitting here, but I cannot look at you. That, that's what Rhea was singing over me. Don't look in their faces. 
Don't watch their reactions. Don't see whether they're pleased. Don't see whether they're upset. Don't see whether they're sleeping. Don't notice anything because the minute that you notice, you will start reacting to what you see. Worried about what just happened. Why did that person shake their head? Why did they nod their head? Why did they shake their head in disagreement? You know, don't know what's happening in the pew, but I guarantee the minute that a pastor starts reacting to those things because he's being fed from the congregation, he or she will be in trouble. Be careful who you let feed you. There are many who will try. They will set you down at lavish tables, able to provide you with all the accolades, all the the words of goodness and kindness that they could possibly say, build you up and tell you how great you are, only to realize that they don't have any ability for that food to sustain you very long. And you'll find yourself wanting to be back at that table over and over to be fed by someone who has no real desire to see you grow, but to see you trapped so that you'll have to come back to the table. I just told this young man, I said, just be careful. Don't let the people who respond to you feed you. And he accepted it very quickly. Again, he didn't give me anything that would lead me to believe that he was. But the Holy Spirit said, tell him, don't let himself be fed by the Facebook page and the friends who are following him. Because again, I promise you, when you tell your story, they begin to sympathize with you or they begin to encourage you. You're going to want to hear it again. And you're going to want to hear it again. And you're going to want to hear it again. Be careful who feeds you. Lord, we thank you for this time. We can just stop for just a second because we know it. It's a chronic problem in the world, but it's equally a problem within the church. Being fed by so many unhealthy things. They don't seem unhealthy. To listen to the pastor and to be fed by him, by the knowledge that he has, or by the way that he can speak, to be fed seems like such a right thing to do. But Paul himself said, I have no need that any man teach me. And he says in Galatians, the things that I know, I didn't learn them at the hands of men. That's what we're talking about. And I pray, Lord, that it would just be pressed on our minds so that not only, you know, for this group here, can't really see them being fed at wrong tables, but they can hear this word and recognize it in friends, recognize it in coworkers and be able to share this message with, with people around them. Be careful who's feeding you. Let this word resonate even beyond this time we spend together because there are so many who are trapped at tables where they're being fed by a ruler and not knowing, Lord, how to walk away from that table. But we pray, Lord, that this truth, the revelation of it would begin to break that off of people today. And we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you all.